Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on today's episode, we're breaking down the USA's 4-0 win over Oman on Tuesday night. They finally got their first win over Oman in the program's 100-plus year history because this was their first meeting, but still, a win is a win. Here with me to talk about that result, the performances, the road ahead, is the president of the Aaron Rodgers hype train. It's David Goss. David, how many like New York Jets-related puns and jokes and jabs have you had to deal with in the last like 48 hours? A lot. I'm also, glad that I was continue that. That was the worst one because I like don't really like who Aaron Rodgers is. Uh-huh. So I already had to like swallow my yep. pride and like ignore him to be like, oh, I'm going to root for my team. Now he ruined it. Mm-hmm. And now I get tagged as the Aaron Rodgers fan club guy. So it's like pretty much losing in all directions. People can't see this. David is recording with a big shirt that just has Aaron Rodgers' face yeah. on it, which is like it's 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 nice that you're showing solidarity. I just wasn't expecting it this early in the morning. It's actually his UCLA jersey. <laughs> That's perfect. Did he? No, Cal. I don't even think he went to UCLA. Eh, then it's less perfect. No, actually, it would be even funnier if it was a UCLA jersey. Yeah. All right. Sort of serious question that like I was going to ask you in jest, but now I'm kind of wondering. If a player from the U.S. men's national team, this current roster, were to fill in as the Jets quarterback, let's say Zach Wilson also goes down, who are you trusting to deputize? My nomination is Eunice Musa. I can yeah, see Weston Mus- McKinney having an arm, but I leave yeah. it to you. Musa was first on my thought process because he'd be a game manager. You yeah, know, like short passes, manage the game, no turnovers, plus has the ability to break out of the pocket oh, yeah. when necessary. There's going to be a scramble or two in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on some runs. He- he he'll be he would probably be my first pick and then otherwise I'm going run play option with Tanner Tessman. <laughs> all right, you're going to get some fumbles in there, but we'll see how it goes. Uh all right, I look forward to Yunus Musa playing quarterback for the Jets and also basically playing quarterback for the US men's national team. You just wish that evil on him. <laughs> uh, I I now apologize to the entire U.S. fan base. If and when he gets hurt in the next month, I feel like Goss is going to blame it on me. But no injuries that I know of from last night's game. Uh, David, what were your uh, sort of expectations for this camp, if any, and sort of how were you approaching these games? Because I don't think there was a ton necessarily that we were expecting to learn. Like maybe there was going to be some experimentation. We didn't get much in the way of uh, new formations, new looks to this U.S. team. So were there any things that you were keeping an eye on or particularly interested in? No, if I'm being totally yep. honest, it mm-hmm. was Uzbekistan and Oman, and that was sort of the feeling coming in. And I enjoyed watching them play, I think, over the two games, which was nice. And there's some wrinkles in there that I really liked. There's one big one that I think we'll talk about as it goes along. Um, but it was, I think it was getting some of these new guys minutes to see if they're at the level and it's tough coming out of the game where it's like, yeah, they were. Whether that was Oman related, you know, is confusing. But then 
you say, well, they're at the level of their teammates, at least throughout the matches. But I think you just came into this one saying, like, can you put a lot of these players on the field again? As hard as it is with the travel and and what it became with the games they chose, some of these players just needed minutes. Yeah. Like there is a moment and it's I think it has to be case by case. Like I don't think the national team's job is to build up individual players' careers, but there is a moment when I think the national team's has to like be there for players. We've seen it in the past, right, when players are looking for clubs where they get pulled into a random camp or they get 90 minutes for the US and then they find their club. And a lot of times that helps the U.S. because that player goes on to be effective. And so I look at this game with the Chris Richard, who's not playing with Musa, who hasn't gotten in and played yet with, you know, a number of players here who are not starters, all the PSV guys, like all that stuff. And I think that was probably the biggest part of the camp was like getting all these players minutes, getting them minutes, more minutes together to continue to progress things. With their players, I think we're we're going to probably jump around with this one because it's a 4-0 win. Uh, they start off quickly again with Balogun getting the opener. Uh, 1-0 at the half, then they add some more in the second half. But I didn't have the same frustrations that I did uh, after the Uzbekistan game where it felt like they scored early and then very much just thought, like, this is our game. We don't need to worry about it. Uh, and that in and of itself wouldn't have been such a big problem, but they have potentially costly mistakes. There's bad turnovers from Ream and Tessman and a few other yeah. players that could have been problematic. Matt Turner makes a few big saves. And this one, Ethan Horvath doesn't do very much. Uh, he has some good distribution. I was impressed by that. But he's mm-hmm. not asked to do very much because I felt like this was a much stronger performance from start to finish, even if it's only 1-0 at halftime. Still felt like the U.S. had just a much better idea of how they wanted to play, of what they wanted to do, and of who needed to be where to make that happen. I agree with you. I think part of that is Uzbekistan's a better team than Oman, and I think a team that was comfortable sitting in that deeper block with bigger, with higher, with more numbers, because um, that's how they play all the time. And then I think the other side was like, if you're Miles Robinson and you're watching the previous game, you can't have the brain fart that Tim Ream had. Yep. Like I think that was a wake up call for a lot of guys, even though they were different players. I think across the team, that was probably something that Berhalter and his staff were like. This isn't a walkover. Like, this isn't a joke. We need to be locked in and, you know, prepared to play this opponent. And I think you saw that um, in the Oman game, more so of, like, not be, not having as many lazy moments. I thought the switch of having Tessman out and then Tillman in actually made the game easier because they had more of the ball in more dangerous areas. And there was less of the ball at the center back's feet with even light pressure, or I thought they actually played most of the game a little bit higher up the field against Oman. What were there any specific like patterns of play or approaches to this game that you saw the big one? I think uh, that many have spotlighted would be the big McKenney switches uh, going from maybe yeah. the left side or left uh, half space out wide to either Dest or Tim Weah that felt, really successful and it felt like it was on pretty often for me it was exciting to see them kind of have an identified style for how they wanted to attack but then also I think that it worked and they moved the ball quickly and they kind of pulled out Oman I think they made them get stretched I think they opened up holes with those big switches and then it wasn't just sort of possession 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 cross and hope it was big switch move the ball quickly get the ball back in the box they had numbers often four and five runners into the box it just felt more aggressive from the united states more like they were trying to take advantage of 
a lower tier opponent to basically practice what it is to play against a team that's going to be defensive and create opportunities and get some goals. And in that way, I felt like this is a pretty successful experiment overall. I agree with you. I thought I, I think in all of what you were saying, the tempo was better. Yeah. Moments That's to slow a it down. Way to say it faster. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Moments to speed it up. I thought Weston McKinney was a big part of that. Of like he would come find the ball when he would hit that switch out wide. It was a lot of times when they had lulled him on to sleep, and then that was the that was the pass that created the attacking moment where within two or three plays they get a shot on goal. They had a dangerous moment, whatever it was. I thought he had a really good one out left as well, um, midway through the second half to Lund, which. It felt like the whole game had fallen asleep getting ready for him to hit it to the right. And he turned and hit it to the left on a dime. And I thought he was really impressive throughout the game. I thought he was impressive over the course of the window of like acting like a captain and doing some of the things Weston McKinney does well. And then other things, which is the exciting part where he's capable of affecting the game in every facet and every phase there are some that are more natural to him and it feels like the ones that aren't natural to him. Sometimes he chooses not to, or he doesn't focus there. And I thought he was good across the board. The big thing that I came out of this window excited about, and I've been waiting for pretty much since this cohort of players came through, but especially with Balogun is I just feel like there should be way more movement across the front three. Mm -hmm. I think you have, Let's just talk about this window with Pulisic, Wea, and Balogun. Now you have three players who are comfortable in all three spaces. And I think one of the issues for the U.S. at the World Cup and over the course of the last year and a half, two years, is they were very static in their positioning. Pulisic would come inside with possession. Sometimes he would make an internal run that you could play him through with. But otherwise, Wea hung out far wide, right? Weston McKinney tried to get close to players to connect. And the center forward hung in the middle to have people play off his feet with his back to goal. In this game, and I thought in the Uzbekistan game, Timothy Weah showed up on the left. Pulisic showed up on the right. Balogun dropped into the left, played Weah over into the center. I thought, I think Aronson does a good job of coming central and sort of being a second forward when he's the quote-unquote winger, um, and he has the whole time. And it's one of the reasons I've liked having him on the field as that position for the U.S., because he plays more narrow, and there's more interchange when he's on the field. I saw a lot of it. I mean, I I don't think I've seen Pulisic pick up the ball on the right side of the field in the last four years with the U.S. And he did it multiple times in this uh, in this window. So I, the opponent obviously shifts that a bit because I think you know you have to have some creativity when the team's going to sit in so deep. But there's a moment in the Oman game where Wei is just playing left wing, picks up the ball, comes inside on his right, hits that shot just wide of the near post, and he's capable of that. So I it, that that to me is the most exciting thing, which is I think there's a lot of pieces in this team that could interchange on the fly. And I think that's the next development because it doesn't feel like with a national team, you're going to get the patterns of play in possession to be clean enough and quick enough to just rip teams apart. There has to be something else because you don't work together every single day. And so I, that feels like the other thing to me is finding new positions, harder to mark harder to sort of communicate around and pick up areas where you can be dangerous. And and I felt like I saw that over the two games. Pulling back a little bit from like a an, an eye in the sky perspective, uh, Graham and I talked about Germany sacking Hansi Flick yesterday and all of the issues going on with their federation, with him as a manager, with the player pool. And and one thing that I think we kind of stumbled upon is the idea that if, if you're Hansi Flick and you're inheriting this squad 
that is very veteran, has a lot of reps together, and has a lot of big names who sort of still demand call-ups, even if they aren't playing particularly well, if they're not playing as many minutes. They're just still that high-profile name. Thomas Muller, Joshua Kimmich, uh, Manuel Neuer, for example. And these are all players that Hansi Flick has a ton of experience with, so he's probably going to bring them in, going to give them chances because he knows what they're capable of. But it leads to a scenario in which he sort of He's not really evolving the team. They're not doing new things, really. They're not sort of uh, playing a new style with new personnel and new spaces and then some of those veteran faces in there. Simultaneously, they're not really improving upon past performances. They're not getting better performances out of those players. They're not sort of putting them in better opportunities. And so it wasn't really evolving or rejuvenating, and it wasn't really sort of fine-tuning either. Uh, And so neither one was really working, hence why Hansi Flick is gone. With this U.S. program, as we enter the second cycle under Greg Berhalter, as we prepare for 2026, which is still a ways off, but hey, World Cup qualifying has started in South America, so why not? Let's worry about it. Uh, It feels like we could go one of two directions. It could be a kind of uh, change in what the U.S. has done from the 4-3-3 could be a back three or it could be a different kind of style of play or a different approach, or it could be fine-tuning what we saw previously under Greg Berhalter. Now that people have a better understanding of how he wants them to play, what some of those patterns of of possession are meant to be and and styles of attack, that you then look for those little moments, those little areas where you can improve individual performers to create a better team overall. And I am inclined to say that that is what this will be. Um, Maybe against somebody like Germany, when we get a a higher quality of opponent in the next round of friendlies, it is a change to a back three, and we're focused more on what we can do defensively with some different like permutations there. But my assumption now, after two games, which is a totally fair thing to do, is just kind of extrapolate from two games for the next three years, uh, my feeling is that we are going to see a similar approach from the U.S. than what we've seen, but with higher expectations, higher degree of difficulty. And I think players, maybe this is me being a bit more naive or idealistic, if you players that sort of aren't up to that level, being told you're not up to the level yet, and maybe we'll check back in with Zendejas or maybe Tanner Tessman six months or a year from now. But in the meantime, it's about developing that core group. That is sort of my broad takeaway from from things as I see them right now. How does that vibe with what you're feeling, what you're seeing or feeling, David? I agree. I also think you don't bring back Greg Berhalter if that's not a part of what you want. Matt Crocker has said it was him. It was his decision. I don't think you come in, assess a team, and then say, well, I really want things to change, so Hmm. I'm going to bring the same manager back. Now, I've said this a million times. There's not a national team in the world whose core and leaders are as young as what the U.S. was at the last World Cup and are successful. There probably isn't really a national team built around that. I think of like random examples, one being this Belgian golden generation at the beginning back towards like 2014. And the progression of that national team was one, okay, you get a core. So now can new players come in that fill the roles that the core doesn't fill? For example, Lund getting the game here, John Tolkien getting called into the Gold Cup left back. That's a bit of a hole. I think N.T. Robinson's been good, Jedi, but I don't think that's your ideal starter. So it's like, now you've got your core, now you've got your spine. How do you start to fill in the other roles around them? And Over the course of five years, your hope would be some players become a relevant part of the system that can do that. Um, but But the main part was each of those individual players getting better, becoming veteran, winning big games, playing for their clubs, and then the national team will follow that because 
Pulisic's a starter for Milan and consistent and comfortable and I don't know, Weston McKinney plays for whoever he's going to play for. And so Gino Dest is getting consistent minutes. Like, I, I, I think the future of this national team is that all of those players progress and the national team comes with them. What Greg Berhalter built in the last cycle was fairly unprecedented of like, it was a full build. But the national team had fallen apart over five years, including not qualifying for 2018, and did so with an aging roster. And so I think it would be a mistake to try and do it again. It would be, to me, a waste of energy of what you just accomplished, which is probably what all of U.S. soccer has been thinking in terms of it sounds like there was pretty open conversations about Berhalter being there for more than four years and it being a longer than a four-year job and now Crocker choosing to bring him back. I don't know that I agree with all of who's the decision makers and, and what they're doing, but overall, I think that's that's the only way you path forward you have which was you brought in a really young cohort, you trusted them, you leaned on them. Now they're becoming veterans. Now they're becoming full-fledged professionals. Now's the time for them to carry the team. And they can do so without always being the starter. If Reyna breaks through, if um, Kevin Paredes breaks through and is a full-time starter in the Bundesliga and is better, I think you'll still have Wea and Pulisic and McKenney on the roster and being veterans and being leaders for this group you need to have a core built around. And they didn't have that at the last, what, the last World Cup, DeAndre Yedlin yeah. was the only player who had been to a World Cup. Like, that will never be the case again. So I don't think I would ever have wanted them to shift. I'd love that. I'd love for them to press higher and be more aggressive and create the tempo of the game at a higher level and be more direct. I don't think that's going to happen. But those, like you talked about, those are phases of the game decisions and individual moments that you can tweak and change inside of a larger model, which I think is overall correct. You said a lot of very interesting things there. I want to get uh, deeper into a few of them in just a second. We're going to take a quick break back with more U.S. chat very soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Picking back up where we left off uh, in talking about sort of Berhalter evolving this team, not doing the full rebuild. I, I agree with everything you uh, noted there, David. When you look at the sort of core and then we want to kind of fill in the gaps around the core. My assumption, if we're building it out, is that Matt Turner is your sort of core goalkeeper. We can talk about the depth options there and who could be the number two, but it's Turner. I, I feel like with the way things have gone, it's Dest and Jedi. Do you feel like there is a core set center back right now as we like evolve for the next world cup my my guess would be like tim ream is in there maybe walker zimmerman if he's fit but i also don't know if those are the players who will be there come the start of the world cup in 2026 so i'm inclined to say it's like turner dest jedi and then one thing we want to see is like who can establish themselves as the center back pairing yeah i think richards has 
an early step forward on that because of his age and profile. And it seems like I talked about like the national team was sort of playing him here to get him minutes because they believe in him, not because he's playing minutes for Crystal Palace. Uh, and I think Miles Robinson is a step or two behind him, but in that conversation as well. In saying all that, if a center back emerged over the next four years that played well, you wouldn't be shocked if they started because that's, I think, how open that position is. So I would agree with you that there's not a core guy in that spot that the national team staff is like, this person 100% will have to be a part of every group we put on the field in big games. And then I am I am sticking with the defense for a moment. Sort of disappointed we don't get to see Joe Scally. He leaves camp. We see Kevin Paredes briefly in this one playing as a right winger, which is where I definitely thought he would play. Definitely didn't think he'd be a left back. Uh, <laughs> but we saw Christopher Lund uh, start and look pretty good, I, I yeah. thought, in this game. And so right there, I think the goal was to see if we can get some depth behind Jedi, some somewhat established depth and it's not just maybe desk can go there maybe scally can play both positions if need be and i thought in that way lund like was good i mean uh, again obviously with the caveat that it's against oman and we have to see what he does against better opposition but i thought defensively solid got involved in the attack good in possession made smart decisions didn't make any obviously bad decisions i feel like that did give us just that little bit more depth and i think that's what you want from this series of friendlies any thoughts on his performance in this one yeah, I completely agree with you. And he's one of the ones that I came out saying, like, he's at the level. Well, is that Oman? Okay, yeah. no, but he was as good as any other U.S. player. So he was at the level of his teammates. Is that because he's poor defensively and didn't really have to deal with stuff? Like, I think those are still question marks. But I agree with you that there were, he's all over my notes. Like, there's a bunch of moments where I liked him. Um, I think he clearly has clean technique, like the way he shapes across was dangerous his understanding of when he wants to hit it i thought he took space well along the left side whether it was pulisic coming inside or him being that you know player just behind able to link up or help create the triangle i thought he was very good in this game i agree with you um, i've sort of beat the drum on john tolkien there of like john tolkien's also a cleaner possession player than jedi more comfortable i think in possession I think he needs to leave Red Bull at some point and we need to see what it looks like outside of the Red Bull system. Um, but I, I think that's a key part for the U.S., which is not just depth behind Jedi, but a different style because Jedi so hmm. specific in what he does. And I, this is probably me giving U.S. soccer too much credit. But I think Greg Berhalter made a comment about um, Oman could be a team that they see in the group stage of the World Cup the way it's expanded or a similar style. I think you're starting to try and build a roster where you have players who give you different elements based off different matchups over the course of a tournament. Now, I think you could have gotten this game in CONCACAF Nations League, so you didn't have to schedule it in a friendly window. But that's not exactly what we're complaining about right now. Um, I think in that situation, you walk away from this camp saying like, yep, teams that sit in, maybe Lund is the starting left back. Teams that open the game up or transitional games, Jedi's still the starter. So I, I think those are those moments you're looking for right now, saying, like, who else can give us something different? Obviously, Rain is much different than, I think, the two wingers that played. Aronson is also different. So you start to have different elements that you can play different cards against different matchups. If we're extending that to the right back spot for a moment, then you want death, but you also some want someone who's going to give you a different look. My guess would be that then the right back that we need to look at is somebody who stays home and can... 
I want to say actually defend, but that feels too discourteous to Serginho Dest, but somebody who is maybe <laughs> primarily more interested in defending than attacking, put it that Which way. Which is, I think, what Reggie Cannon was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, Reggie Cannon doesn't have a club. He's not playing. It was never going to be Yedlin, and I think that's been one of the issues for Yedlin, is like he's not safe enough to have been the other option, which is what Berhalter probably was looking for from a veteran. Um, but I agree with you, and I think... Joe Scally probably is in between of like, he has good feet. He can be aggressive. Um, he's a bit more of a straight line runner than Dest, but his responsibility in his team is he has to defend mm-hmm. first. And I think Scally's probably the like safe middle ground. And then you look at a roster and you say like, okay, do you have a like lockdown defensive base player that you trust? Dewan Jones is not that guy. So they weren't really looking for it in this, but I think fullback's one of those spots now where, where, as we're watching in MLS, a lot of the academy pieces are coming through at those positions. I think there's going to be a ton of options. All right. I have a a hot question. I'm not going to say it's a hot take. I have a hot question for you. (laughs) That's a weird way to put it. Uh, I have long been concerned uh, for the U.S., especially leading into the World Cup, about what happens if Tyler Adams gets hurt because it felt like there was no one who could do that job the way he does it. Maybe Kellen Acosta could, but with like McKinney playing deeper and it almost required a double pivot. Uh, in the previous months, though, we have learned that Yunus Musa can play there and can look very good there to the point where like if you talk about the limitations of Tyler Adams as that number six, it is ball progression. It is moving the ball forward. It is that he doesn't often look to play some of those riskier passes to trigger attacks to make things happen. Yunus Musa does, and I can see a reality in which Yunus Musa, if he gets more minutes, if he continues to develop, is the number six for the United States and isn't just the deputy if Tyler Adams isn't playing. At the very least, I think he gives competition in that spot as well. So that's my hot question for you is, is Yunus Musa an actual threat to uh, Tyler Adams' spot as that number six? Do you think he had, when you say develop, do you think he has to play there for club to be a legitimate option there for national team? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. What I mean is that I keep going back to like, this was Om- Om- Oman and Uzbekistan. And we've seen Musa do this against other opposition, but we still haven't seen him do it in a way that makes me think he can do this against world-class teams who are going to be pressing, who aren't going to make mistakes, who are going to have better positioning. Can he do it? there can he be as confident on the ball can he be as good with little passes that are risky but still come off and don't put the u.s in trouble if this is brazil or argentina and they're just better teams are some of his passes caught out does he get caught in possession does he try to dribble lose the ball and now there's a huge gap those are the things i worry about and my assumption i guess is that if he's playing in a similar role or just being tasked with more tactical discipline at milan he learns when he can take those risks more often against better opposition, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just, my guess will be Milan won't play him there. Yeah. So while he will, I think, add an element of, like, the way Serie A reacts to turnovers and, and the risks he can take, I think he'll progress. Also, he'll get older and more experienced. I would be surprised if it's in that position. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, he's learning it with the national team, or does he take so many steps with this club team that you can play him there. I, I, I get your point, and I think it's interesting. I think the flip side for me is Adams is world-class at what he does, which mm-hmm. is covering ground and closing space. And does him being that, which completely frees up the other two mids to be 
in the final third the entire time against a team, a low block team you're trying to break down, does that actually add more to the attack than having three players you trust in possession in midfield, but also having two or three of them have half a step back because they know they have to close down counterattacks because it's their job. So that's sort of, I think, what we will end up balancing is like if Adams gives complete freedom to Moose and McKenney to make attacking runs, be along the front line, right? McKenney's going to play as a second forward half the time against teams playing in a low block. Can he do that if Moose is the player behind him and Malik Tillman is the guy next to him who's not going to counter press and not really going to cover ground? Um, and I think when you look at the U.S., there's so few world-class elements in the team that taking Adams out optionally, plus the fact that he's with the captain, will will be tough. But I I see your point there, and I think it goes into the conversation of, like, what are our different cards that we can play against different opponents? And maybe that's one where you move into it throughout a game. Because I think the other thing we saw in this window, and, like, this is trying to take something out of Uzbekistan and Oman, is this is probably going to be a U.S. team that will be fit and can run. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of like scoring early and then scoring late isn't that far fetched for this group where the game opens up. They clearly had more than Oman and Uzbekistan as the game went along. And part of that's like depth and subs versus those opponents. But I think part of that will be like all of these guys will be 23 and 24 and 25 and can run. And in the, if everything's in the U S like Copa America and the world cup, like it's elements that they're comfortable with where maybe opponents aren't. And so I think it's probably going to be the case that this is going to be a team that creates chances late in games. So Tyler Adams to win the Ballon d'Or, just writing (laughs) that down. Glad we got that on paper. Uh, We're going to take one more break. uh, Then we'll finish things up before David Goss has to catch his train back soon. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Welcome back. David Goss was telling me never to doubt Tyler Adams and I never will again. Uh, With that midfield, uh, it does feel like a thing that we... We comfortably know that if everybody's fit, Adams makes sense at the base. You've fully convinced me once again. Moose and McKinney uh, are there as our ideal starters, but then I think we've seen Brendan Aronson come in. He can be an impact player. I felt like Luca De La Torre had a good couple minutes until he got his nose bashed, but that's a person we know can can do the, the number eight role pretty well. I thought Malik Toman looked fine in this game. I don't have any strong notes about him one way or the other, which I don't think is the worst thing. How say I, you? I just like his... He's comfortable. He's yep. composed. And I think that he's an outlet for guys where I like, they know. Malik, I, I think Dest is bad. similar where it's like, oh, I'm in trouble. My head's down. I guarantee if I get it into his feet, it will stick there. Yeah. OK. So so it feels like we similar thing of we have our ideal midfield, but then we have players who can come in and either help that if somebody's hurt or augment that, but then also can give us a little bit more variety. If, if it's Gio Reyna playing centrally or Brendan Aronson playing centrally, I think they can give us different looks, especially as the seasons progress. And hopefully they add some new aspects of their game. Aronson adding some different uh, developmental things. Joe Lowry would like to see that. And then I think we'd all just like to see Gio Reyna be healthy, ideally. Uh, and then in the attack, Oh, the attack, Goss. It makes me it makes me so happy from where we were not too long ago that Balogun is just so good. He's just so good. And he scores goals, and that is lovely. But his movement is excellent. As as you pointed out, the interchange of the three was really noteworthy to me. That Tim Weah has a shot from the right side. A couple minutes later, he has a shot from the left side. Yeah. And without really like ruining the miss, he shoots it wide from the left side. He's just sort of shoots and then continues his run over to the right side and everybody else cycles back and then we're back into Balogun Central, Pulisic on the left, way on the right. But they had been inverted for like two or three minutes before that. And I just like that it's all very seamless. That attack looks so solid. Uh, Balogun, chief among them with that, with, with his control on the ball, with how tidy he looks, with how good he is in possession, how he can move out of space but then still be involved in the attack. It's a night and day difference, and it also feels to have motivated Ricardo Pepe, maybe being left off the World Cup squad, maybe the move uh, to PSV, maybe just having some competition and feeling like he's in the group, though, at the same time. But another well-taken goal from outside the box. It's another good in-step finish, but it's a a striker's finish in that he takes the first touch sort of away from the target or like along the target but wide and then has with a second touch a shot back across into the far side netting it's knowing exactly where he is in relation to goal it's knowing how to control it to create that little bit of separation to then get the shot away i feel like the attack is about as bright as it has looked again against uzbekistan and oman but still the depth of talent is stronger than i expected and in the uzbekistan oman qualifier like 
the U.S. has played similar opponents and not looked this dangerous and True. this effective. So that, at a minimum, is a step forward. True. And I actually have it in my notes. So Weya took that shot from the left side in the 34th minute. Mm. When they swapped back, the next play was Balogun playing a through ball for Pulisic making a run off the left. Yeah. Which is something we didn't see enough of out of the center forwards. And I think those were, in a two-minute span, all of the elements that were missing of the flexibility and then that interchange. And I think when you look at Balogun, you look at a player where we were cycling between four center forwards who all had different elements to their game, and Balogun combines most of them. Yeah. So it's, do we want someone who's comfortable with the ball at their feet and back to goal but can't finish? Do we want someone who can finish and makes dangerous runs in the box but is ineffective in all build-up play? Do we want someone who's effective in build-up play but ineffective in the counter-press? Like, all of these things that we've been going through when it's Haji Wright and Pfock and Pepe and Sargent, Balogun just combines most of them because he's good. Like he said, he's good at soccer. So he took all the soccer things and he's like, I'll just do all of them. And there are some where he's better and worse. And I think the hope is at Monaco, as he gets minutes, like that will grow and, and he will just become a better overall player. But that's, I think a big part of this. And Greg Berhalter has talked a lot about verticality since he took over the team. And I think Balogun gives it to you, but the wingers should be the ones that give it to you because Wea has that in his game and that's to me should be Pulisic's biggest skill set that he brings to the national team not taking free kicks and trying to control the team and all those things and I think we saw a lot of that over the course of this game because of what Balogun brings and because of that flexibility and the trust Uh, and I think even in that element when I talked when you said like what were you looking for what do you want like he needs to get to know these players and he needs to be a part of this and I think he saw that as well just like culturally around the game and off the field of he's one of the group. Now he's part of that core that we talked about. And I think he fit in pretty seamlessly throughout this one. I do also uh, listeners will know. I, I love a celebration for what it tells us about the team. And I love Lund getting involved in like every single celebration, yeah. being very excited. Uh, Balogun, I think enjoying the jump on the shoulders. It did make me happy that he seems to have bedded in pretty quickly with this team. It also, it just, it's so nice that he has declared that he's with the U.S. because there is an alternate reality in which he still hasn't committed or maybe right. he's playing elsewhere. And maybe Pepe starts this game and maybe Pepe scores that goal that Balogun scores. And then maybe Pepe scores the goal he scores and it's a brace. And that's great. I still think there would be a like, yeah, but we know Jesus Ferreira is going to get some looks. we got to see what Sargent does when he comes back. It still feels like there would be a lot of conversation about what happens and who can come in. And we still have to see and evaluate talent. And it feels like it is Balogun and then Pepe second. But there are chasers below that, and there are chasers in that pack. But I think having the established number nine, who we assume will be starting if we have our first-choice team, it just, there is a clarity in the way they're going to play then, and the way they're going to approach games, and the way they're going to attack that you don't have to change from one striker to the next. And rather than that being a necessity, it becomes a luxury of now we can look at different options to come off the bench to have an impact or change the shape of the game rather than we're changing the shape of the game from the start and we're hoping it works. Yeah. So I love that Balogun provides that and just provides the comfort blanket, basically. The question I do then have about the attack, you mentioned the wingers being the ones that ideally are providing that verticality. Way I can do it really well. Pulisic can do it really well. Who do you trust to do it in their absence? Uh, See, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's the question going forward, because it's like, 
Reyna could play wide, but I think doesn't really give us that same look. I think that's probably why we saw Kevin Paredes playing as a winger in this game to see what he can bring with the speed and control out on the right. And he gets an assist of sorts. He forces the own goal for the fourth goal. Uh, so like maybe that's somewhere where we'll see him. But I do feel like that is another area where as this team plays more friendlies, as they develop maybe we'll get some different players getting different looks. Cade Cowell is probably another example of the verticality, but we don't see him yeah. here. Uh, Zendejas doesn't give you the verticality, although I think he, I think he's a player that will take on the role that you're asking a lot of times and, and work pretty hard at it. Um, but I think that's a reasonable issue. Now, here's the other thing I would say is with Bolligan's game of like, let's say, I don't know why, let's say Wei and Pulisic are both out. Could you not play Jesus and Bolligan in a front two? I suppose. Yeah, that could work. And I think there are other players besides Jesus you could put in there where I think there are other elements. I've And I've said for a while, like, I think you could play through Sergio Dest a lot. So do you go to a back five in these moments, play Dest, just leave him super high basically as the third winger and have quote unquote two forwards that are giving you central runs and, and playing off each other. Um, I think Balogun opens up a bunch of those doors. And I think now that winger position is one where you're talking about, okay, who's the next generation coming through? Who can be dangerous? Who's going where in Europe? Who's going to find their feet? Who isn't? And I think Paredes is at the front of that list. But like, I think there's 10 names behind it that are legitimate where, you know, teams in Europe are coming to the U.S. now and saying like, oh, this is a position that Americans can fill for us and that we can find talent um, in the MLS Academy ranks and all that stuff. So I don't worry about that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, but I think it's it's a tough question. Hmm. But like if you put Reyna out there, then you just shift the game a little bit in like playing through his feet and you change the responsibilities to people around him. Or it's like Weston McKinney becomes that guy, right? Coming out of midfield, he gives you verticality in his runs, which we've seen already of like him bypassing the ball, making that, long run, pulling defenders with him, creating space underneath or drawing fouls. Mm -hmm. Like he's capable of that. And I think we saw with Aronson again of like he, the foul that leads to his goal, which was somewhat fortunate is him coming inside and making a vertical run. And it was a through ball for him where the defender comes through his back. Like he provided that moment and that stretch similar to what Pulisic does from that wide position He's not as fast naturally, and he's not going to open up the game from behind midfield like a Pulisic or a way I can. But I think there's similar elements in there. It, it makes me very happy then to see like more friendlies, the Nations League in November, where I'm guessing we'll get some more experimentation. But if we did see the U.S. in a back three with a front two, it feels like rather than that being... I think I would have been inclined to see if we went with that shape, a 3-5-2 in this camp. I would have felt like, oh, okay, we're evolving the program. We're changing what we did. We're, we're starting starting anew. And I think now I would see it more as to your point. Okay, he wants to see what happens if we don't have Way or we don't have Pulisic. And we need to change the look a little bit. What do we look like when we play a front two but a midfield three at the same also, time? Also, with the way things are going at Juve, it might be the way he chooses to use Timothy Way. Very true. Very true. So I, I like the idea that we have more clarity about certain spots. And I really enjoy that really the of the starting 11, it feels like the two question marks are center back where it feels like we have the most likely contenders starting this game and looking fine. I hope Richards gets more minutes at club level. I hope Miles Robinson continues to develop and be very good. But really, starting the cycle for the next World Cup with we know 
if we have our ideal squad together, nine of the 11 starters, we know where we have depth. And more importantly, we know what we don't know. So we yeah. can we can start to look at who can give us better depth, who can give us a different look, who can change that midfield or change that attack. It has me feeling much more optimistic than I was feeling, I think, coming out of the World Cup. And one, of, I'm going to beat this drum for the next, I'm probably going to beat this drum forever, is like part of the U.S. soccer pyramid not being solved is players are going to come quote unquote out of nowhere. Yep. And so Ben Hamin Kramaski was an okay. MLS next pro player. Thank you for saying his ago. name. I watched it on uh, the Peacock in Espanol and they kept yes. calling him Kramaki. And I was like, have I been calling him the wrong thing this <laughs> entire time? So I kind of held it's, off saying his name. I'm not going to lie. It's also, it's, it's a Pulisic thing of like, yeah. he's clearly from wherever, but his family <laughs> went to Argentina and then came here. Yeah. And it's like, I tell people this all the time because I have one of those names. And obviously I do as a job. I, I say people's names. Whatever you choose is your name. Like it could be spelled, you know, I don't know. Your name could be spelled like mine, G-A-S-S. You could tell me your name is Reggie and I have to say that. Mm-hmm. Like it's your name. Make a yep. decision. Young players get nervous and they don't make decisions. So that's why you never say it to them. You always ask them how to pronounce their name. Because I've been in I've been in the Alex Muriel situation of like someone asked is it pronounced this way? And he was too nervous, so he said yes. And then two years in, he's like, by the way, that's not my name. Joe and I talked about this a little bit. I feel like this exact thing has happened with Malik Malik Tillman, where he was definitely Malik Tillman when he's first called in. Berhalter calls him Malik. There's discussion about Malik. And in his press conference uh, recently, it was definitely Malik. And I feel like somewhere along the way, there was that conversation had about like, yo, it's actually Malik. He's also one of those where I watch the game and I, I call him Malik in my mm-hmm. head and then they call him Malik. So I switched yep. it. Mm-hmm. But it's like. No offense, but like, I don't know that Luke Wildman knows a lot of Malik's. <laughs> and so it's like sometimes you're getting the pronunciation from the wrong person. And I think yep. we've had this with a million players who went to the Premier League and we learned them through the Premier League. And it was British people saying it um, back to Kramaki Kr- Kramaski, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. Y- and Austin Trusty, like Austin Trusty mm-hmm. was a solid MLS center back in Colorado and then was one of the best center backs in the championship. And now we're going to try and see what the next step yeah. is. So in some of these, like people are going to arrive. And I think even in saying like we, we trust nine of the players, people are going to arrive in all of these positions and it's going to keep happening. The pipeline is too big now. And there is opportunity for players to create their own careers. And a lot of it should be guided better. And that's, I think, a legitimate complaint. Um, But players are going to continue to arrive. And so that's, I think, the other exciting part is, like, Grasky looked fine Mm -hmm. in this game. Again, it's Oman late on. But, like, as players continue to come through, Noel Buck and Jack McGlynn and Daniel Edelman. Is Noel Buck going to come through? I, I don't I'm know. a little. I, I don't well, know. That, he, that's he's he's going to start picking up an English accent pretty yeah. soon. I think <laughs> he's going to start calling everyone Malik. Yes, exactly. And, there you go. And then we'll go from there. <laughs> um, but I, I, that's just one other thing that, like, I will point out every time we talk about the national team for the next eight years because it will. Con- and that doesn't take away the Aaron Longs and um, Matt Beaslers and Graham Zusies of the world who are going to come through college soccer and find their own path and be good enough to affect the national team. That's just like a very optimistic note to end on, a fitting note to end on. 
And an uncharacteristically opt- optimistic note for a man who is starting Yunus Musa against the Dallas Cowboys defense. Uh, David Goss, David Goose, excuse me, that's how you want it actually pronounced. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got a lot of other stuff to get to today, but I really appreciate you talking this one out with me today. Thank you, Taylor. You are welcome, my friend. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again very soon.